We're going to continue our, um, our foundation series where we're talking about the life of Peter. And I suppose I need to do a little bit of background on the metaphor that Jesus uses that we're going to talk about today. Because metaphors are great, but a lot of times they're only relevant uh, in a certain day and time, or they can lose their relevance or, or be um, misinterpreted. In another, in another culture and time, which is why I asked Marcus if he's ever pushed play and record. So <clears throat> here's an example. <clears throat> if I were to uh, tell my wife Kelly, who is something, there's, there's my wife Kelly, if she were to fix one of my various messes around the house or relational messes or who knows what, um, if she were to jump in and save the day and I were to tell her, you are the pencil to my mixtape. Like, that's something cheesy that I could tell her just to get that contemptuous, like, look out of her. Now, if I'm really good, I can even get a laugh where, like, she is trying to, you know, be rollerized, but it's, it's actually a little bit funny, and then she, then she gets mad at herself for cracking and laughing when she's trying to give a good contemptuous look, probably like right now, <laughs> minus the, the laugh. Um, but uh, you are the pencil to my mixtape. Uh, if my boys, 13 and 16, were to overhear me say that, they would have absolutely no idea what I was talking about. Uh, they have no frame of reference for like a tape being like a cassette tape or why, like a pencil even. Like they occasionally will use pencils, but like their Chromebooks are becoming their new writing utensils. So uh, even, even the use of pencils is something that may be fading out of out of our, um, our, our collective consciousness. But there was a day when if you wanted to, um, if you wanted a, a, a mixtape or a playlist, you would have to put your own work in. Like you would have to wait for the radio to play a song and push play and record on your boombox. And then it would record that song and uh, you would, I never understood why it was, you had to push both. Like, why couldn't you just push the record button to, to um, then you'd stop it and you'd forward it a little bit and then start your, um, you know, your next recording until you had, um, whether it was to work out to or um, your own romantic mixtape, uh, and then you would break the tabs, you know, to protect it so you couldn't have, but, but anyway... Every now and then, your radio boombox would grab the tape and, um, and just start like, you know, like, like a little man's in there, just, just and, and you just have this mess. And the only known fix to save your teenage emotions was to find a pencil with an eraser, and then you would, you, it would fit perfectly in the spool, and you would run it back until things were even and you fixed your tape. So, by saying all of this uh, useless banter to get to, um, if I were to tell Kelly, you are the eraser or the pencil for my mixtape, I'm telling her, you fix my problems for me. You save the day. But in, for many uh, younger than like my age, um, that would be a completely useless metaphor. Um, and, and so uh, we're going to look at this metaphor that Jesus uses with Peter, and certainly not completely useless, uh, but <clears throat> we have to go back and explore uh, what it would have meant originally to some extent because uh, you'll see that it it's, might be interpreted a little bit different in our modern-day context. So here we go. This is from John 21. This is like post-resurrection. When uh, they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I lost my place because I looked up. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, and he said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. So Jesus calls people 
sheep here. And he tells Peter to take care of them. Now, if you have some Bible background, you might be familiar with, with shepherd concepts, or maybe you like are one of a few who grew up on a farm with sheep and, and maybe have some context to what Jesus is talking about here. But in these days, when I hear sheep, it's usually a negative context, connotation, uh, a negative metaphor, uh, primarily a political one where um, uh, people in their own respective uh, political party uh, will, will call somebody who aligns with all the party lines of the other political party a sheep, meaning they're mindless. And, and the people who do this are the people from the other political party who line up only with their political party. And they both call each other sheep, meaning you mindlessly follow whatever somebody tells you to follow. So that's typically what it means to call someone a sheep in this day and time. Now, I can tell you that that is absolutely not what Jesus meant when he called people sheep 2,000 years ago. In fact, sheepologists today say that sheep are fairly intelligent, that they are relational creatures, that they look out for one another, that they feel emotions, that they're fairly intentional. They can defend themselves. They can find food. But, but when Jesus in, in Jesus' day and time... Shepherds were necessary to look after sheep, not because they were helpless without them, but for an owner, they were a valuable asset. And it took a shepherd to keep the owner's sheep together and thriving, right? Without a shepherd, um, sheep could have defended themselves and, and defended each other and found food, but they wouldn't have remained together. They would have all, you know, dispersed and kind of done things out on their own. So when Jesus calls people sheep, he's saying, look after my father's flock. Look after those my father wants to keep together and keep gathered and keep safe and healthy. And so uh, so we entrust Peter with this responsibility. All that to say, when you look at a Bible metaphor, it's our tendency, and by our I mean pastors, because we're at the front of the line guilty of this, to try to make every metaphor exhaustive because we need to fill 25, 30 minutes or longer. So, you know, you, you watch pastors or even, even many readers of the Bible, just we overexhaust metaphors. And Jesus isn't saying everything that's true about a sheep is true about a person. He's simply using shepherding language here to say, take responsibility for the well-being of people who follow me. And so what I believe here that we need to take from this is this. Jesus says, do you love me? Then take responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. Take responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. Now, well... Peter had a special role in this. I don't think any of us is off the hook. I think that if we seek to follow the life God has for us, we need to understand that a part of loving God is taking responsibility for the well-being of others around us. Now, here's another way that it's said, and I talk about this all the time at Polaris. This is in Ephesians 2.10. And for me, this tells us none of us get a free pass on this. Paul says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, when we look at the rest of the scriptures, we see that the things God has called us to do are those that are the kinds of things that benefit and care for other people. So if, if we're in the game, if we're, if we're connected with God, there are things that God has called us to do. And I believe when I look at Scripture that those things that he has mapped out specifically for you to do always relate somehow with helping other people. So while in a sense we're all sheep, we're all God's sheep, we're all God's flock, we're all his 
precious possession, we also have a role in looking out for other people. And it's undeniable we cannot get around the calling. So let me take a minute to talk through a couple of distractions, a couple things that keep us from stepping into that role. And the first one that I see all the time uh, has to do with guilt. It has to do with felt guilt. So Jesus looks at you and he says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. How do you react to that? Jesus looks at you and says, take care of the spiritual well-being of the people around you. What's your initial reaction? So this is, um, um, I'm sorry, as I, as I walk around and look, I just see some of you back here um, that I haven't seen in a year and, and without masks. And it's, it's, uh, it's hit me a little bit emotionally, and I did not anticipate that. Um, so, here's an exercise for you as, uh, as you go throughout your day today. Take a moment in a quiet space and try to picture Jesus looking at you and saying, do you love me? And hopefully your response is, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then he looks at you and he says, feed my sheep. Take responsibility for the spiritual well-being of others. And, um, and notice your reaction to that. Do you recoil? Do you start to make excuses? Do you start to say, oh, I, I could never do that? Because for me, that's one of the big enemies to, um, to this calling that we all have. And then it also becomes a big enemy to God's best life for you because I don't think you've really lived until you've joined God's activity in looking after the well-being of others around you. Do you know what the first thing Peter said to Jesus was? So Jesus comes along, and Peter apparently has never seen him before and doesn't know him well. And, and Jesus uh, gives him some fishing advice, which Peter basically says, you don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. That's the first thing. But then he's involved in this miracle that happens. And, and so Peter's first real sort of back and forth with Jesus is saying, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. That's what Peter leads with in his relationship with Jesus. Get away from me, I'm a sinful man. See, Peter's a guilt-centric guy. And he initially disqualifies himself from even being nearby Jesus. Because he's so aware. And when you follow Jesus around, or when you follow Peter around, this is an important distinction. When you follow Peter around, you realize what a deeply flawed human being he is. So he's not wrong. He's deeply flawed. But the whole point is Jesus chooses him anyway. And one of the things we need to see is a major theme in the Bible of God picking people to care for people around them who are not qualified to do so. Moses was on the run from murder when God called him to be a shepherd of Israel. Paul was so feared by Christians when Jesus called him to look after and start churches. He was so feared because of of the persecution that he brought, that God had to intervene supernaturally and kind of tell other Christians, it's okay now to trust Paul. Peter, in this very scripture that we read, had just denied Jesus three times. And by that I mean he jumped ship, he turned heel, he denied even knowing Jesus emphatically while Jesus was being led to the crucifixion. Like, you would think that that would disqualify you, right? But that's the context for um, Jesus inviting people to take care of the... So, so, so here's, my, here's my point in this, is that many of us <clears throat> have a dangerous... Like, it's one thing to realize you're flawed. We all should, because we all are. 
But we have this knee jerk to say, yeah, I can't do that. That's not for me. I'm not far enough. And sometimes we mean it and sometimes it's really just an excuse. Because I've known people who've been like following Jesus for 10 years and will say, oh, no, I can never do it. I'm still new to all this. There's no way that I like." Aware of our own guilt, we reject God's call to meet the spiritual needs of those around us. And at the end of the day, and this pains me because I, I, I mean, I've used that excuse a thousand times. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. I'm not far enough. Jesus, my life is still a mess. There's no way that I can. Like there are times where I'll have this out-of-body experience when I'm up here teaching. Like, why are these people listening to you? <laughs> Assuming that you are. Um, so there's this tendency we have to rule ourselves out. And in doing so, everybody loses, especially you and I, when we say no or when we avoid God, um, when we fail to think of what we have to offer the people around us because I'm telling you that, that that's where fullness in life is found. I mean, I love taking trips to Hilton Head. I love the ball field and watching my boys play. Um, and all kinds of things like that. But, but the most fulfilling aspects of life are when we pour ourselves out into others and, and, um, and look out for the well-being, spiritually and physically, of people around us. Okay, so let me, let me um, give you a few, a few application points from this. So... Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to care for the people around you. It's just something that's going to be a part of your, of your walk with God and of your life. And one of the enemies to that, and probably the greatest enemy of that, is our own felt guilt. Or our, our perceived gap from our abilities to the calling of looking out for others. Or like, where do I even start? Or whatever, okay? So the first thing that I would say is you need to give yourself the promotion. You need to give yourself the promotion. And that's, that's language that I use a lot for my own. Um, I, I remember you know, back in, it, it, um, Mike Richardson was the, the first senior pastor here. And, and, and I had this, you know, when I was 20 coming out of college, I realized I don't know how to do anything, really. Um, I, I don't know how to lead a meeting. I don't know how to... Um, organize a men's group. I don't know how to do youth ministry. Um, and, and he kept saying, you need to give yourself the promotion because this is where you are. And so what I would say is that some of you need to give yourself the promotion from consuming. This sounds rough. This sounds harsh, okay? Some of you need to give yourself the promotion from consumer to shepherd. And even though that sounds like a high and lofty, you know, shepherd from consumer, because let's, let's face it, the sheep were fine on their own, but it took a shepherd to keep them together. Shepherds, it, it wasn't about them. They weren't called to a consumer thing. They were called to look after. And, and so many Christians, whether it's guilt or laziness, they never move from a receiving it's all about me aspect of faith where they just take in. It's a consumer thing. And some of you need to promote yourself from consumer to shepherd. Not because you're worthy, any more than I'm worthy, but because it's what God says we need to be doing. So it's a mindset. You need to give yourself the promotion from consumer to look her outer after people. And it's a big name tag. Um, and so I want you to ask yourself, and I know this is a painful question, am I just a consumer? And maybe the answer is yes. Maybe, maybe the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've just been consuming in my walk with God. That, that's, that's okay. 
just realize that you need to give yourself a promotion and it's time to get to work. Second point of application is, and this is where I'd say you should start if you've never done anything like this before, is just think of one or two things that God has done in your life. <laughs> now, it could be the only thing he's done in your life is he has you sitting in a church right now. And that in and of itself is a pretty spectacular Jesus feat, right? Like, like you never saw yourself that you'd be in a church right now, but somehow God has moved in your life and you're here. And, and uh, hopefully uh, it's somehow making a difference in your life and that's why you're here. <clears throat> so if you've been here more than once, there's something you're coming back for which represents at least you being on the first rung of the ladder of a walk with Jesus. Some of you, there's been stuff in your marriage that has helped. Some of you, there's been stuff in, in, in your divorce that has helped you in recovery. Some of you have learned some things to help with your anxiety or your parenting or whatever. But think of one or two things that God has definitely done in your life that you can know. You know what? I don't know much, but I know that God has done or is currently doing X in my life. And then I want you to give that to God in a way that is useful. In other words, you're now talking with God. I know you've done this in my life. Thank you. Show me how I can help other people to this point. Because you can't get people where you aren't, but you can get people toward where you are. You can help them take the step you just took in your life. And even if it's, I'm on the first rung of the ladder, you probably are around people that aren't. And so you're aware of the one or two things that God is doing in your life, and you're open to what could, be, could feel like an awkward conversation. You're actually going to tell somebody when it's appropriate, hey, um, I, I sense what you're going through, and I just want you to know that this is something that's been helpful for me. And that's it. You have taken responsibility for the spiritual life of someone around you. You have gone from consumer to a shepherding role. And I promise you, when that first person who's never been to a church or who hasn't been in years joins you on a Sunday, because that's all the further you are in your walk with God, you'll realize, I just did something meaningful. I just did something powerful. I just stepped into the realm of eternity in lifestyle. And um, you'll find fulfillment like you haven't in a long, long time with those kinds of things. So first, promote yourself. Second, one or two things that, um, that God has done in your life and, and how can I help other people get to where I am. <coughs> If you're like me and you sometimes say, there's no way that I can do that, I'm a mess myself, here's what I want you to think. If with God's help, you got to where you are, how much easier is it going to be to get somebody who's not as messed up as you are to where you are? Like if, if you, with God's help, were able to get you where you are, and your reason for not helping others is because you feel like a spiritual loser? If you could get you to here, surely you could help them who are way better than you get to here. And I tell myself all the time, like, like, okay, I am good enough to have gotten myself with God's help to here, so I can probably help some people who aren't as much of a spiritual moron as me, who aren't as undisciplined as me, whatever. I did this in my life, so I can probably help get them there. And I have to remind myself of this a lot. And I mean that. Like, I have to remind myself of this a lot. Like, okay, I'm, I'm not much, but I was able to get this going in my life with God's help, so I can maybe help them get that going. And then finally... Maybe a starting place for you is um, one of the things that, that, uh, that we can do is just help someone see the love of the shepherd. Help someone understand that there's a shepherd out there that loves them. In other words, um, they are God's child and, and he loves them. And so um, uh, 
you could just start to look for ways to show God's love to people. Like that's, that's, your, that's your baseline step in taking Jesus seriously when he says, if you love me, feed my sheep. Uh, maybe you can't figure out what to do, but one thing you can do is to go about your day and in small ways help people understand how much God loves them by showing them love and start to intentionally do that more. And, and maybe even if you really want to develop it as a habit, you track it. Like you're aware, okay, that was, you know, write it down somewhere. I, I did that. I, I did that to help them, and I did that to help them. And then you just start to do it more and more when you start to track that. Um, but one thing we can all do requires zero skills other than to be a decent human being and, and show people love is to show people the love of the shepherd. So... Um, if we love Jesus, uh, we're called to look after the spiritual and physical well-being of those around us. And one of the biggest enemies to that is our own guilt. And you could also put that, another one is our own just tendency toward being consumers. But if we will promote ourselves and uh, accept the calling God gave us for no other reason, not because we're worthy, but just because he gave it to us, and we start to look at our lives and say, okay, here's one or two things that God has done in me, and I'm going to try to find ways to help other people get to where I am. And we realize that if we could get ourselves there with God's help, then we can probably help other people get to where we are. And finally, if nothing more, uh, we can at least help people understand that they are loved by God. And I think that if you step into that lifestyle, you're going to find um, fulfillment like you've never known. Um, and that's what God wants for us. So uh, we got one more song. And are we standing? We're a standing. <clears throat> and I'm going to pray. Father, thank you for, uh, for loving us. You did not leave us scattered and helpless. Um, you came to save us being the good shepherd, the loving shepherd, you laid down your life for us. And you call us to go and do the same, to love others, to sacrifice for others, to move beyond consumer and to shepherding. And so um, pray that you would lift us up and uh, show us next steps. And, and uh, we, we offer ourselves and our development up to you to be multiplied in the lives of others. In Jesus' name, amen.